Well, this week's movie, McFarlane USA, if you're just joining us, we're doing a movie series this month. We all love movies. And I think there are times where God, he's done this for me, there are like God moments in movies where he's like, wow, I just, he just kind of speaks to me through movies. This movie, McFarlane USA, if I, just to be honest with you this morning, we could show the entire movie and it would just preach to us today. It, it's convicting, it's encouraging, it's, it does all kinds of things. We do not have two hours from this point on though, so we will not do that, but I will do my best to try to pull it together. Has anyone seen the movie? All right, good. We're on a good start. If you haven't, I encourage you to see it. It's based on a true story. Uh, back in the 80s, in 1987, uh, Jim White, Coach White, uh, he, is, he was a football coach, and he, he ran out of options. He'd had some bad experiences at different places, had been let go at, a, at a, the previous place because of an incident, and didn't have anywhere else to go, took his basically the only job he could get in a little town in California, McFarland, California, USA. Very small population, population 13,000, and about 90, 95% Hispanic, Okay. So Coach White is coming to an area, he'd been in an affluent white area, and is now transitioning to this very Hispanic area. And it was an awkward transition from the very beginning. Check out this first clip. All right. By the way, uh, Mama uh, Diaz is my favorite character in the movie. Uh, she's great. Uh, some other characters, and I forgot to introduce them at the beginning. You saw the, the, the family, the White family. Uh, he, he gets released as the football coach there at McFarland because of a little tension between he and the other coach, an incident, and he decides to start this track, this cross-country team. So here's the team here. You met some of the guys there. Uh, you've got the, the Diaz brothers. Uh, my favorite is uh, Danny over here to the left. He's kind of, uh, I, I don't know why I have a heart for Danny because he's a little big boned uh, and he's on the cross-country team. And uh, so they kind of gave him a hard time. I, I, would, I would be the Danny uh, of this uh, movie. Uh, if I was on a running team, and uh, he's got some brothers on the team. The other character you need to know is, is Thomas uh, Velez, and, and Thomas is a key figure in, in the movie as well. So, so Kevin Costner, Coach White comes to town. You can sense this tension. There's a tension really of kind of the, the unknown that's there, and uh, a lot of us have experienced that before. Instagram is known for having filters. If you're on Instagram, you have filters that you can change pictures. You can take a picture that looks... Eh, and you can make it amazing, okay? Uh, you can go different, different filters through Instagram. Uh, this was somebody's uh, thing that I saw on Google, just Insta glasses that, that kind of changes things around. Uh, I have told Melanie, if any picture of us is ever on the internet, I have filter rights that I can filter things to change things around and give a, a better filter, a better look. We all have lenses. We all have ways that we look at, at different things. And to start off today, what you have experienced in your life determines how you see things and how you see people. The experiences that you have, the things that you've been taught, the things that you have experienced in life, they influence the way that you look at others or the way that you look, you look at, at anything. For example, if my car breaks down, if I'm on 290 and it breaks down, uh, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go outside of my car, and I'm going to pop the trunk, and then I'm going to just start to stare at the engine, because I know that's what you're supposed to do, but I have no idea what's going on in there, okay? No idea. Unless there was like a, a, a blinking sign that says, 
put oil here or do something here. Now, others of you would look at an engineer. You could like, you see a work of art. You can begin to, uh, I can hear this. Or, not me. Not, it's not there for me, okay? Uh, others of us, you know, if, we'll watch sporting events, and you can, you can see the intricate details of a sporting event. Uh, NASCAR bores some of us to death, but some of you are like, oh, did you see that? That's so... I don't ever see anything with NASCAR, but it's great for nap time, all right? But some of you see things, they see things differently. Another example would be with arts, okay? Let me show you a couple of paintings. Uh, we've got this, I believe this is a Picasso. The name of it is Woman Standing by a Window. Any guesses on how much this was sold for? A lot of you see, man, this is art. It's beautiful. It's, uh, and others see like paint by numbers, uh, like I see here. All right, $44 million, $44 million, yes. Here's, a, here's another one, Jackson Pollock, this picture looks like something my kids could do, all right? Others say, wow, whoa. Someone saw whoa so much that they paid $58 million for this painting. Now, here is a piece of, a masterpiece right here. Here is a masterpiece. This is an Andy Warhol. All right, now Coke is pretty amazing uh, uh, stuff, but is it $57 million good that you would have that on, on your, your, your home? The way that we see things, people, we, we see things differently. Um, and we also project. I mean, let's try a couple, a, a quick test. We're going to show you a line, and I want you to read the line out loud, okay? So let's try this. Can you read this? Right. Next, you are reading this. Next, what are you reading? Now, why did you put the letters in between? Some of them are missing, but you just automatically put that, that H after the W. Why did you do that? Your past experiences, you projected ahead. The things that you knew already from the, from the past, you, you put that there in, in the middle of that. Now, we do that with people as well. You see certain people, and suddenly things pull up in your mind. You begin to pull up from the past, and, and things, if you pull up next to someone, and you see someone, we'll just go through a few things here, someone with motor, a motorcycle, and an arm, a sleeve full of tattoos, and piercings everywhere, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? It's probably completely different for everyone in the, in the room. Same scenario, you pull up to the light, you look over, and there's a, a homeless man with a sign. What jumps to mind? What are the thoughts that come through? What are the filters that you're seeing this person? Or what if it's a, a person of color? Or a person from not, not from our country? Maybe it's a person, a person from India. I, I had this experience uh, a few years back. Uh, NYC is this thing that you do every four years with students. We gather in various places. I've been to several of them, Louisville, Houston, uh, Toronto, Phoenix, when I was a kid 20 years ago, 1995, I was a student at NYC, uh, and our kids there are there this week. And we were here for, I was a youth pastor, and I was, uh, and they were doing a prep meeting here in Houston for the 2003 uh, NYC that was going to happen, and it was, the year was 2001. And we're with some, some people getting ready for this event, and what happens? Suddenly we see images of planes going into buildings. And our world was totally different. The world totally changed. My flights were delayed. Uh, I was flying out of a hobby. Didn't know that. Didn't have a clue that I was going to live here one day. 
flights were delayed for a couple of days, and finally we were able to, I was able to get home, and I'm getting ready to go on the plane. And what do I see? I see a gentleman with a turban on his head, Middle Eastern. And something that I hadn't felt ever before in seeing someone, I suddenly was like, there's angst came over my body. A little bit of fear. He gets on the plane, the same plane I'm on, and I begin to go through the scenarios of what am I going to do if? I don't know if you've gone through those scenarios before in your mind. And I'm fighting something inside of me. I shouldn't think this. I'm a pastor. I shouldn't be having these thoughts. But I'm still just like, the fear is just kind of this back and forth thing. It, it's, it's some of the, the fear of the unknown that we have. And there's a part of us when we don't know things very well, we just want to keep a distance. You just stay over there, okay? You just stay over there. But I don't think that's what God has called us to be. I don't think that's who God's called us to be. In fact, Jesus showed us a completely different model. He's going through different ministry opportunities, and he sees a woman. And, and, and people would say, but Jesus, that's a, a, first of all, that's a woman. You don't talk to women. Second of all, she's a Samaritan. But Jesus, but what does Jesus do? He breaks through that, that barrier, doesn't he? But Jesus, he's a tax collector. He's a thief. But Jesus, he's a sinner. We don't eat with sinners, but Jesus, they're just ordinary, uneducated guys. Why would you choose those guys? But Jesus, you know what? That guy's a beggar. He's un unclean. But Jesus, those are just children. They're just children. They're, they don't. But, but, but Jesus, one time Jesus was at a religious guy, rich religious guy's house. And suddenly this woman burst into the scene at, at this dinner. And she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her hair. And this, these guys were saying, sure, this guy's not, he's not the son of God. He would know who's washing his feet. She's, she's a sinner. She's a prostitute. But Jesus doesn't look at people that way, does he? He looks at people differently and he calls us to look at people differently. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18 says it this way. So we have stopped evaluating. Now, if, if I was writing this, this word evaluating, it would mean perceiving and attributing value to. We've stopped doing that from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. That means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, reconciling people to him, seeing people differently. Peter had this experience in Acts where the church is exploding. And at this point, it's been a very Jewish scene so far. And the church is exploding and God is doing great things. Something happens. Stephen gets stoned. Do you remember that? Acts chapter 7, he gets stoned. The people are afraid. They scatter out. They go to different places. They go to Samaria. Now, in Samaria, there are half-Jews there. They're not full-blooded Jews, and so there's always been this, like, those people kind of attitude, okay? So what does God do? He, the Holy Spirit speaks to the people and begins to use the disciples, and they're reaching out to the Samaritans. Then in, in, in Acts chapter 10, something crazy happens. Cornelius, a Gentile, not a Jew, a Gentile, God-fearing man, by the way, most of us are Gentiles, okay? Uh, he has a vision that says, go to, talk to, to, go to Peter's house. Go to Peter's house and 
and, and just basically meet with him. Peter has a dream at the same time, and he has this dream about animals on a, a blanket. If you want to read that later on, Acts chapter 10. These are animals that the Jewish people don't eat, and God tells him, go and kill and eat. And Peter's reaction, no. That, that's, that's, I'm, no, I, I, we don't eat that. that. That's not us, God. But what does God say? He says, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. And then he repeats the vision three times, then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. And as, as we go along in this story, we, Peter begins to see people differently. He begins to see Gentiles differently. And, and skipping down to 34 through 36 in Acts 10, it says this, I see very clearly the good that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who hear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. And there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And so Peter sits down and he eats, which was totally against Jewish custom. He eats with the people. He spends time with the Gentiles, and suddenly something begins to happen within the church, and God spreads out even further. I think Coach White might have gotten this same memo about spending time with people, listening to people, eating with people. It's very important. Check out this next clip. Maybe God's called us to see it a little differently. Uh, there's a little test I want us to do real quick. Hopefully, this will work. We'll see. I want you to, first of all, let's look at one picture. This is a desert scene. You get that? You see that? Okay. We, see both, we all see desert, right? White, or that would be clouds, yellow, sand, and, and blue. All right. Next picture. Okay, we've got a couple of colors here. I want you to stare at that dot in the middle, the white dot. Right, I'm gonna, we're going to go 30 seconds, okay? Just stare, just see right through it. Okay, look, just stare as hard as you can at that dot. You're staring, don't, don't get distracted. Just look straight through, almost like you're looking through the screen. Just relax your eyes, seeing the dot. All right, about, we're going to go about 12 more seconds. Keep staring. I know. All right. Now I want to show you that first picture one more time. You suddenly see things differently, red and greens, for a little bit. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But what this tells us in different ways, maybe you've done something like this before, that we can retrain our eyes and that light can shine differently. We see things differently. We can see things different based on, on light and the way that we've trained our eyes, just even in a, in a small amount of time like that. A few years later, I, did, I moved to, to Houston, and I, one of the first people I met when I moved back to Houston was this guy, and his name was for, is Fareed, and uh, Fareed is from Iran, and uh, he's, the, he's the gentleman to the left, and uh, he uh, frightened me at first when I saw him, because of the a massive amount of hugs that he gives, and on a regular basis, with the, usually the phrase, hey, buddy, uh, that was my best impression. The first time I saw Freed and spent time with Freed, quite honestly, I hadn't had a lot of experiences with Middle Eastern people, especially post the last few years, but something happened in my heart, in my eyes. The more time I spent with Fareed, 
you find out that he is one of the kindest. Gentlest. Men of God. He wants to change our eyes. He wants to change our eyes. May he do it in our lives. Something else that I uh, noticed about this movie that just stuck out to me. Uh, he moves to this town, Coach White does, and you find out pretty quickly that the town of McFarland has this, there's just kind of this aura all around. You don't move to McFarland. You're stuck there. You just, there's no way out. If you've moved there, it's because you've absolutely had to, or you're at the prison that's outside of the city. And everyone around town just has this mentality. We're not, you know, you hear it even in the dialogue. You know, our football team is terrible. Why should you start a cross-country team? We're just losers. We can't, we're not going to, why start something? We're just going to lose something else. Uh, it just doesn't, it's not, it's not good. You know, the whole town just was in this mentality. In fact, one of the teachers comes up and says, listen, these kids, the best years of their life are in high school. And out of high school, they basically have two options. They're either going to be pickers in the field or they're going to be in jail. And those are, that's the future for these kids. And there's this, that mentality just stuck all around and the kids had this mentality. The people had this mentality as well. They had labeled themselves throughout life. And you see people and you hear people that have labeled themselves. Maybe you've labeled yourself. You're carrying a label that, that is not a good one. It's maybe something like, man, he's the, he's, the, he's the irresponsible one. He's the one that doesn't know how to handle money. He's the one that's the hothead. She's the party girl. He's the addict. He's, he's just dumb the wimp, the lazy one. These labels that we have maybe taken and heard and now have just accepted for ourselves. But Coach White comes onto the scene and he begins to see things differently, not only for the team, for Thomas, for Danny, for the, but for the whole town. And he begins to plant this, this image in, in their minds that things can be different. Next clip. Hmm. We're called to see through Jesus' light the world differently. And we're called to help people see themselves differently as well. So how do we do that? We take our cues from God, who's been doing that from the very beginning. He takes this, this people that were slaves in Egypt. And who does he make his chosen people? Those who were called slaves at one time. He takes this couple, their names, Abram and Sarai, barren, older, and he makes a nation out of them and changes their name. You are going to be fruitful. You're going to have so many children. You can't even count because of you. And I'm going to change your name to Abraham and Sarah, father and mother of many nations. He takes a guy who's a stutterer, someone who is running away from his past, and says, you're going to be my mouthpiece to the world, to my people. He takes this guy, Gideon, who... Israel has is, is been defeated by the Midianites, and they are running, and he is in a cave, scared to death. And who does God choose? He chooses Gideon and says in, in Judges 6, you are going to be the one that's going to lead my people. You're the one that's going to be going to take them into battle. So what's Gideon's response? But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of, of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. And what does God call it? He says, you are a mighty warrior. You are a mighty 
hero. He begins to call him by a different name. In Isaiah 61, the people of God are totally away from him. They have abandoned him and now are in exile. And God comes to the people and says this, you're in exile, but you are going to be oaks of righteousness. Now, are you there now? No, but I see a different future for you. He comes to this guy, Peter. Remember Peter? And he says this, you are going to be the rock that I'm going to build my church on, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You're going to be the rock. Now, if you know Peter's story, was he a rock? No. Did he become a rock? Yes, because of the words spoken into his life by our Savior and our Lord. Coach White did the same thing. Remember my buddy uh, Danny Diaz? What does he call him? You are my anchor. You are going to be the anchor, Danny. Goes to Thomas and says, Thomas, I know about your life. I know what's going on, but I see something differently. I see a future for you. I see a hope for you. You have got abilities and gifts, and God can use those things in your life. He begins to see things differently. So, end of the story. They get to the state finals. They have a really slow start. They lose big time their first race. They get past a couple of stages. They get to the finals. You saw the speech there at the end. And now we've got the final race. Let's see what happens. God has called us to see people differently, to see, to help people see themselves differently, to see ourselves differently. And uh, he calls us by a couple other names, uh, forgiven and overcomer. To remind us of those things today, and Jesus knew how important eating was, we come to the table, a table where Jesus came with his disciples and said, these are some symbols of that forgiveness, and I want you to remember that. I want you to remember when you come to this table what I have done for you. So when you hear those words forgiven today, some of you, maybe you've, you've called yourself that or someone's told you that, but you haven't believed those words pray that you would believe them today. As we go to the, the table this morning, I just invite you to a time of prayer. Michelle's going to come and lead us in a second. But maybe today, as, as, as we get ready to take communion, you'd be honest with yourself as you're speaking and, and having time with God. And you would say, you know what? I've had some, some bad thoughts. I've had some, maybe some hateful thoughts toward other people, people I don't even know. And I need God's help to help me see differently. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness today. Some judgments that you've placed on people. Maybe today you've been hurt. You've been hurt by some of those words, some of those experiences. And you need to go to God today and say, Lord, help me to forgive. Thank you for forgiving me. Now help me to forgive others. These things, they hurt. And I don't want those things to influence my vision in the future, and I need your help, God. Maybe today you come to the table and you've got all kinds of labels and you need to just rip those things up. Say, I am not who I was before. I'm not gonna be defined by my past, but God has given us victory today. And we are reminded of that as we come. Michelle, come and lead us. On the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he had a meal with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. Take it in remembrance of me. And likewise with the cup, he took the cup and he said, 
This is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do it so in remembrance of me. I want you to come this morning. We believe that communion is a a sacrament, an act of grace. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't even have to be a Nazarene. You just need to want to receive God's grace today. I invite you to come when you're ready. Father, help us to see the way you see, Lord. God, help us to speak truth into people's lives. Lord, help us to, to, to believe the names that you have given us, the things that you have done for us. Help us to paint pictures for others so they might believe as well. They would see a hope and a future, that their story would be totally transformed. God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be your people in this world during this time. God, I pray that we would be the light. Help us to be the light in the darkness that helps people see you, Lord. God, we love you. Help us this week to do that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.